Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I'm being joined by Devin Hassan, sports editor for the Mesquite News and Rowlett Lakeshore Times, as well as Kendrick Johnson, sports editor for the McKinney Courier-Gazette. Uh, week two of the high school football season is in the book, so let's look back on a, on a, I think it's fair to say in hindsight, a very weird week of high school football, <laughs> for no other reason than uh, obviously the biggest storyline emerging from last week was obviously the weather, unless you were playing at the Star in Frisco. Your game likely began, uh, you know, two hours late around the area, and that had an effect on, you know, some teams more so than others. Produced a lot of just kind of wonky results all throughout the area, and we will surely get to those, um, you know, those teams in a, in a moment. But obviously, uh, you know, the weather was such a. Uh, you know, such a big storyline that not only did it delay some games, you know, significantly Friday night, but some games had to just outright be canceled. So you had some schools that just flat out didn't even get in a, uh, a week two game after an entire week's worth of preparation, um, all for naught. Um, I mean, by our count, you know, as far as public schools within our markets, you had Rowlett, uh, North Mesquite, Salina, Lovejoy, and R.L. Turner did not play games on a, you know, in week two. Those games will not be made up. They're non-district games, so you can afford to, you know, to, you know, to not reschedule a, a game of that magnitude, but obviously there are um, you know, there are some side effects of that because you know these non-district schedules are very very uh, limited. So to not have a you know a, a game to draw upon in your preparations for district play, I mean that's that's a pretty big deal. So um, I mean, gentlemen, uh, just uh, Devin, I see you know a couple of these schools in your neck of the woods, you know, are now without a without a game like week two, a, a team like Rowlett, which I mean Kendrick, we spent you know ad nauseum talking about that game last <laughs> week. That was our game of the week. So I mean, apologies for jinxing y'all, Rowlett. But I just because they picked them. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, now with that game against Rockwall, you know, no longer, uh, no, no longer happening, and you know, with only one game left before you begin district, just talk a bit about whether it was for Rowlett or North Mosquito or whoever, just the consequences of not being able to play, a, you know, a non-district game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's something that's going to 
you know, change their their, their chances of making the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a short-term deal, but it certainly has an effect on both teams. Mm-hmm. When you look at North Mesquite uh, with a first-year coach and Tim Cedar, yeah. they won. They, they beat all Sam Houston that first week. You know, they couldn't wait to get back on that field and build on that momentum and try to keep things going. Mm-hmm. New coaching staff, you're still implementing. Their, these kids are still learning that, you know, that program, um, you know, the differences in, in, the, in the, the coaching staff. So, you know, that's... They'll, they'll be fine, but you know, in the short term, they just they, they, the coaches will all tell you they as many reps as possible against you know against other teams. Mm-hmm. We, we we need it, and obviously they missed out on that uh, last week. Same thing with Rowlett. Um you know, and again, you know, those younger players need those snaps. And I think for Rowlett, too, that game against Rockball last week was going to be kind of a measuring stick against yeah. a quality opponent. It's a rivalry game. They play it every year, the Lake Ray Hubbard rivalry. And so you do, you do get a playoff atmosphere when these teams play. And so you miss out on that as well for those younger kids who, you know, get a taste of that big game, you know, environment and, and you know, going down, you know, going forward. For them, they got a, they, they got lucky this year because of the new MISD opening being at that game, they played for the ten thousand people. Yeah, so yeah. Kind of got a, and it was hostile territory. Where at the Lakeway Hubbard, even though they're playing Rockwall, uh, I, I know personally my parents over there. How everybody goes to that game to be seen. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and they did. They were able to get a glimpse of it. You know, week one out at the New McKinney Stadium, but you can never have enough of it. You know, yeah. too much yeah. of it. You know, and that's and so you know that's it's going to hurt them in the short term. But again, it's not something that's going to have long-reaching effects. With a team like uh, you know Lovejoy, I mean that's a you know that's a program that because they're in a nine-team district, you're only afforded <laughs> two non-district games. <laughs> so Lovejoy begins its district schedule this week. Um, so I mean, yeah, in hindsight now, I mean they you know they were supposed to travel out to Sulphur Springs. Um, you know, a, a, t- a team that had a quality season last year again that again, much like you said, would have been a nice little measuring stick trying to build off the momentum of an impressive performance the week prior against Frisco Heritage. But now that's, you know, that Heritage game is all they can really draw upon now. Is there, you know, on Friday, they I believe it's, it might be Frisco Memorial that they open against. They open up against one of those, uh, one of the new Frisco schools. But I'm in a game that, uh, you know, now it's, these games count now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 so, yeah, I mean, you have only one non-district game to prep for a, uh, you know, for that district schedule. That can definitely, you know, have a, you know, have some side effects. Yeah, and, and that, like, in that situation, Scenario. I mean, that could affect your playoff mm-hmm. chances because you know you get having that turnaround right around to play a yeah. team that that did get to play last week. Yeah. You know, one loss in the 19 district, and that could yeah. be the difference between you know playing in the playoffs and, and sitting at home. But, but for uh, I think for them, since they're a team that's used to being playing deep in the playoffs, I think it's just an yeah. blip in the radar. If they're a team in transition, it would hurt them more than most. This, yeah. this particular case. But yeah, what you're saying is very definitely true. One yeah. game, you, you, you watching a game like us. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of depend on where your team is at from a program, I guess, yeah. developmental standpoint. Like you said with North Mesquite, when you're acclimating yeah. under a new head coach, you need, need you, yeah, you need all the reps that you can mm-hmm. get. Whereas with Lovejoy, especially in a cool. district like that, where it's, you know, cool. we got this. where it's perceived to be, I guess, on paper, you know, could be a three, you know, four team district as far as you know, just the the upper echelon. So, but nevertheless, I mean, it just stinks to only have one non district game to prepare <laughs> for a district schedule. Um, let's see. So we had plenty of other teams though that did you know squeeze in some games um, despite the uh, despite the bad weather. Um, some like I guess some goofy results. So let's um, just kind of go around the horn. Um, you know, Kendrick, you um, you know, you've been on the uh, you know the McKinney ISD beat you know to start the uh, to start the season. We actually didn't get a chance to touch on McKinney ISD last week. So just through uh, through two weeks, what is um just a couple takeaways from the first two weeks? From McKinney ISD. Yeah, we got the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we start off with the good. The good is McKinney North. Even though they went to the playoffs mm-hmm. and went too deep and got beat by Holland Park last year, their defense was shambles. Like, they needed 40 points just to, com- 
compete every game. Like they averaged forty four and they gave up forty. That's for the whole season. Oh, yeah. So that's always been a team that is offense. But defense coach shout out to Coach Villarreal and them. I don't know what they're doing. They're a lot more physical mm-hmm. and even though they're struggling in the secondary, they make plays when they have to. They weren't making those plays. Like um they've played Justin Northwest twice and given up at least forty six points. They gave up thirty one and won thirty four thirty one in a game that even Coach Fetcher made. Well, I don't know if we win this game last year and they'll find a way to get it done. Then they played McKinney in week one and held them to 13. So they're finding ways to not only get it done but progress as a team because they've always been winning games. It's just, it's like, um, that's going to catch up to them sooner or later. So it's good to see them. Cam Constantine, three-year starter, letting everybody know why he's a three-year starter. Put the team on his back. He threw for 250 and three touchdowns, went 16 for 18, and he ran for 136 yards. That's how you take over a game. Mm-hmm. Now to the bad. McKinney High, 0-2. The record's bad, but they're making progress. They looked a lot more uh, more developed on offense. Cordrick Dunn is doing his best Matt Gattick impression. He's averaging over 150 yards a game. He had a 195 and two touchdowns. They're going to sneak up on somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know who their victim is going to be, <laughs> but they're going to sneak up on somebody. Coach Shavers and them are coaching those guys way too hard. They're bringing the physical mentality. They're doing the things you have to do to be a winning team. It's just they haven't got the results. And then the ugly... Didn't go to the boy game, but I know they got a lot of stuff behind the scenes. They're switching in and out of quarterbacks. This game against Louisville will tell a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's a team in a lot of disarray going into the best, most difficult district in the state that you got to have your P's and Q's locked up or you will get embarrassed. So for their sake and Red Nation's sake, I hope they can work out the behind the scenes issues and pick a quarterback or whatever they're going to do because it's not going to be pretty come 9-6-A and Allen them sitting there laughing at you. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned... Um you know, obviously McKinney North being able to, you know, try to shed that, you know, that identity where just people only know them for their <coughs> offense. And they will need, I mean, they'll need all that because when they get into that district, I mean, against teams like Devin in your neck of the woods with, I mean, Poteet just turned in one of the more impressive performances of, of week two and just their just their handling of, of Waxahachie. So just, um, I mean, yeah, you were kind of, you know, off the radar last week, yeah. but just through these first two weeks, um, anything that's kind of jumped out between them just in Mesquite ISD football in general? You know, a couple things. Uh, you, me- you mentioned the Poteet game. Um, um, I, we had talked in, in our preview about their defense and how those new guys were going to fill in the holes. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the most impressive thing. They, they were—I saw them play against Denton Ryan, a very good Denton Ryan team in the yeah. first in the first game, and they held their own. Yeah, and, that's and, what I it mean, looked like. They did. And then against Waxahachie last week, you know, they went forty-eight to seven. Well, the only score for Waxahachie came on a kickoff return. So their defense pitched a shutout. So really impressive bounce back effort for Poteet. Um, one other observation, um, you know, from from my area is you could have a pair of teams. A pair of playoff teams down the road who are off to zero and two starts. Um, you know, Saxy right. lost on that heartbreaking last second field goal, 55, 57 yards, I think, against Coppell in week one, and then dropped a 20 to 14 decision to a good Yules Trinity team yeah. last week in in a game that it what it sounds like they had every opportunity to win. And the Horn, you know, they ran into the Allen juggernaut in week one mm-hmm. and that wasn't a pretty result um, and then they you know but they challenged again they played Highland Park another reigning state champion in week two uh, fell 35 to 18 um, so but you know, these te- these are two good teams that are going to be in the mix yeah. in the, in, at the end and I expect both to be in the playoffs but they could be taking 0-3 records into week four because 
Horn runs into Cedar Hill this week. Cedar Hill thumped John Tyler in week one, wow. 57 to 7, and then shut out Denton Guy last week, 28 to nothing. And Zaxi, you know, Plano Weiss, I think, yeah. think Zaxi is still considered a favorite over Plano Weiss, but Plano Weiss is off to a 2 0 start, too. Yeah, Plano Weiss looks real sharp. And, and so, you know, this, this is. Potentially, these two, you know, d- district favorites in, in some people's eyes uh, could be 0-3 after next after this week. Um, you know, my game, I had a uh, just one of the weirdest games that I've <laughs> that I've seen in quite some time. I was um, I was out at Plano covering Plano Senior versus El Paso Eastwood, a game that you know that you know first time these two schools have ever played. First time that Eastwood has played a Dallas area opponent during the regular season. You know, a handful of years ago they played Lamar in the playoffs during you know when Shane Bouchelle was still running the show there. Um, so obviously, uh, kind of fascinating just to see that dynamic, and especially with the uh, you know with the bad weather, just how that would affect things. Well, it ended up producing a game that you know for one way, or one reason or another, I'm probably not going to forget anytime <laughs> soon. This was um, so for those who haven't heard, this game just I mean this game just defies every statistical trend under the sun when it comes to like what it should take to win football games. Um, one of the most unique games I've I've seen. So let's just recount some uh, some wild statistics from this one. The final score of this game was obviously massive. 72 to 48. Um, so that alone, I mean, obviously, yeah, this was a, a ridiculous shootout. Um, for Plano Seniors' sake, this was the the fourth highest scoring game by Plano in its program history. I did, the the, I did dig all the way back to, um, you know, I did 1923. Dig, I, you're not far off. <laughs> this is their this was their highest scoring game um, since 19. Uh, let's see, 1939, when um, back then they shut out a Van Alstine 89-0. Yeah, apparently, I mean, <laughs> we all know what Plano's Daniel did in the 70s and the 80s. And whatnot, but back in the uh, early 1900s, they, call the dogs off. they were uh, they were laying the wood to some teams because <laughs> they call the dogs off. Because most scores from around that time, that era are seven nothing, yeah. Yeah. seven to three. Yeah. So yeah. to ring up eighty nine on poor Van Alstine should have been on the field that day. Well, like okay, said, they didn't call the dogs well, off. It's their highest since then. Like I said, uh, it's the fourth highest. So there are two more, oh, no. two games that took place earlier than that. <laughs> the highest scoring game in Plano senior history is um, was in nineteen twenty nine against Wiley, one hundred and two to zero. Oh, ouch. They didn't know about calling the dogs off back then. And then uh, three years earlier against Salina, they uh, they blanked Salina 90 to nothing. So, uh, so they don't just beat you. Yeah, they should shout out, too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, records that I'm I'm pretty sure those records are safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't foresee those being broken. But, uh, I mean, so, you know, the big, th- big storyline from Eastwood's vantage point coming into this game was just how would they be able to impose their, their up-tempo approach on offense? How would Plano handle that? Um, well, if you're just going to look at these raw numbers on paper, you would think that Eastwood had this game in the bag. So, um, on the whole, Eastwood outgained Plano 552 to 414. So, nearly 150 yards of a disparity between those two. Here's the crazy one, though. Eastwood outsnapped Plano 105 to 25. What? There was an 80-play disparity... <laughs> Plano ran. I would have average Plano average a play. That's Plano. That's well, yeah. I was thinking a guesstimate on time of possession. Oh yeah, that that Plano. I mean, had to be exhausted. They were they were they were on the field for nearly the entirety of the third quarter. (laughs) It was it was nuts. So yeah, I mean, there was. Eastwood ran 80 more plays than Plano and lost by 28 points. Insane to even think about. So um, and here's okay. So yeah, obviously yes. In, within 25 plays, you know, Plano was very much you know just short fields and just big play, quick drives, just in enti- all, all game long. How about this though? 72 points scored. They didn't score a point in the first quarter. <laughs> wow. 
they 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 were shut up. They were down 6-0 after one quarter, and they um, yeah, and were down 9-0 before just catching fire in the second quarter. And then they they went on to score in a nine consecutive possessions. Here were the play counts for those uh, those nine scoring drives: three, one, three, one. Two, one, 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 three. How many one-play one tries did they have? They scored. That's like four? That's five. So they scored. Okay, so, and they had two pick sixes as well. Here's the other thing. Yeah, they had a player, their linebacker, their linebacker Scott Albrecht. He had three interceptions, two of which were returned for <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> Oh, he had some huddle tape yeah. right there. He got yeah. some huddle tape, and he almost had a fourth. I was looking back through one of my highlights. Yeah, he almost had a fourth pick earlier in the uh, earlier in the game. Um, so, th- you know, that accounted for uh, you know for two scores there. So the offense was responsible for sixty points of sixty of those seventy-two. They scored. I just rattled off those scoring drives. That means they scored sixty points in just sixteen plays, including a stretch there in the third quarter where they scored on three consecutive plays. Now, part of this was. Working with short fields, Eastwood um, played like a team with nothing to lose. They, um, I mean, they came out. They, they, they went for on fourth down eight times, including on the very first in their own territory. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say like three. No, no, no. They were needing two hands to get eight that. times, including on the very first drive when they were at, right around like the that um, at their own like 30 yard line or whatnot. I mean, they were they played fast and loose, and um, you know early on they had some success with that. I mean, they marched right down on Plano and scored on their opening drive. Very impressive. And like, oh my, this this might be a this might be a game. Little did I know. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you have, you play with fire that much with fourth down conversions. You know, yeah. you're going to get the good and the bad. And the bad was that Plano had you know a number of short fields to work with. But other than that, I mean, there were times where if I'm just going to look over the scoring log, I mean, they had, I mean. Tylen Hines, their sophomore running back, who is just added just this completely different you know element you know to the uh, to the backfield with Kyron Cumbie and Cody Christ. Tylen Hines, who had three touchdowns in that uh, in that win over um, Eastwood, he had runs of you know 33 yards, 24 yards, um, 38 yards. You had Kyron Cumbie doing his thing with 60 with a six, uh, 63 yard touchdown and a 69 yard touchdown. Kyron Cumbie doing Kyron Cumbie things. Yeah, I mean the <laughs> the final numbers are jarring. Like Plano only attempted four passes all game. I mean they. You know, so they, uh, you know, the rest of it was rushes. But you had Kyron Cumbie went seven carries for 146 and three touchdowns. Special. He had an 18-yard touchdown catch as well. Tylen Hines, like I said, their stud sophomore, averaged nearly 25 yards a carry, four carries for 99 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Colin Nett, their quarterback, you know, he got dinged up last week against Hebron. He was back, played, um, you know, played in the first half, and um, you know, he had a 60-yard touchdown run as well. Um, you know, Cody Chris got in on the action with a touchdown in the second half. I mean, Plano just did. I mean, it's just. It was to the point, though, where, like, it just came at such... It reminded me of the Denton Geyer game last year, where Plano had a similar big play punch. Kind of, you know, that was the game. That was the game where Cumbie had, uh, you know, like 225 yards on like six carries, just something wild like that. But it's a, you know, you're it's a, it's incredible just to see the team scoring with just such efficiency. But you got to realize, like, the defense was on the field for just an ungodly amount of time because yeah. not only did um you know was Eastwood you know going for it on fourth down just about every chance they got, they kicked, <laughs> they attempted four. They they were covered, I should say. They were covered four onside kicks in this game. <laughs> so there were moments where, yes, that's right. Just added another element of craziness to this game. So there were moments there in the fourth quarter where this was like a two-score game, and you're thinking, oh, wow, okay, Eastwood might be able to do a little something. Yeah. Just because Plano, for whatever reason, they just could not get their kick coverage, their onside <laughs> kick coverage, on the same page. And it was something that Coach McCullough said that they were working on all week, anticipating <laughs> that they would have to recover quite a few. And, yeah, they... Uh, Did the kick it that good? They had no... Yeah, they were good kicker to get an onside kick. I mean, one of... I mean, 
mean, honestly, a couple of them were just just brain farts on Plano's part. I mean, ones that like just the ball, the ball just rolled past like four or five different Wildcats and just somehow <laughs> might as well got to it. It was, I mean, yeah, some of them were you know not uh, not pretty if you're uh, from you know from Plano standpoint. We're, but we're both experts in nine six a. How's a game like this get them ready? So you're not going to see nobody. You see a lot of high power offense, yeah. but not in these hundred plays a game. I mean, you got so they basically they, they were playing seven seconds or less, but they're playing in football. Yeah, I, like I said, the only other time I've seen that offense just move the ball that effortless was against Geyer, which again, that performance seemed like just such a total anomaly when you look at how good Geyer is year in, year out. But again, when you have that kind of explosiveness in your backfield, we've seen it, Kendrick. We know what Kyron Cumbie can do. We know that he's capable of... You know, I'm lucky. Of, so he only had seven carries. He's cap- he had 146 yards yeah. and three touchdowns. He's capable of busting a touchdown anytime he touches the ball. And honestly, through two games, I mean, that's uh, the, their sophomore... He caught, a, he caught a touchdown. So he had the ball eight times in his hand and had four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got some explosion out of the backfield. So, I mean, it's a team that, like, much like last year, they did kind of begin the season with this this flurry of big plays um, right. that eventually kind of, you know, it kind of you know, fizzled out once you got about midway through the season. But, I mean, listen, Plano's not lacking for explosiveness in the backfield. And, I mean, yeah, I would trust the defense won't be on the field for, you know, for 105 snaps another time this season. Yeah. It was, I mean, you could see, I mean, you could tell that, you know, there was some wear and tear because, like I said, they still gave up 48 points. So, Easterwood <laughs> did have some, ex- you know, some success moving the ball, especially in the, uh, you know, in the second half. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know, just one of those weird games. Like, Coach McCullough afterwards wasn't even really sure what to what to make of it. Like, it was kind of bittersweet in a sense for it because, <laughs> on the one hand, you had this game that was one, I mean, it's your highest scoring game in almost 80 years. But at the same time, I mean, there was still a lot that, I mean, they gave up 20. I'm looking over the numbers right now. They gave up 31 points in the second half to a team that, I mean, they seemed to, you know, kind of get a get a beat on in the first half. And then it must have been just, again, the cumulative wear and tear of being on the field so long because they just, I mean, they could not, you know, slow down, you know, slow them down with the, uh, you know, like they were able to early on in the second half. So just a, just a weird game. Man. That was just, I mean, for so many, so many reasons. Um, you know, so that's, that's a look at at least, uh, you know, a few things going on in our neck of the woods. We're going to do a wholesale line change in a bit, but not before we catch up with uh, with Hebron's star wide receiver, Trajan Bridges. The Hawks are off to a 2-0 start. Trajan Bridges is one of the top wide receivers in the in the state, a big part in that. And um, we had a chance to catch up with Trajan on his start to the season and the Hawks' hot start. And we'll see what he had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD painting has got you covered. At ATD painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, Once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we're here with uh, Darius Snow, uh, safety, junior safety for Hebron's uh, football team. And Darius, thanks for taking a couple minutes to come out and be on the uh, Star Local Media podcast. 
No problem. Well, you guys are two games into the uh, season here. Obviously, a good start for you guys at 2-0. and How do you feel uh, things have gotten rolling for you guys so far? Uh, well, it's been a great start to the season. Uh, we're 2-0, and but we don't want to get too confident. Um, obviously, this will be our last game before a bye, and then we're straight in district. So it's definitely been a great starting point, but uh, we're just trying to build and get better off of it. You guys faced a uh, Arlington Martin team that's known for some high-powered offenses. You guys did a pretty good job putting the clamps on them uh, last Friday. <laughs> what did you think the key was to you guys slowing them down? Um, well, a lot of it was momentum. Um, it was a two-hour rain delay, so we knew that the team that was going to win and really take control was a team that came out with more energy. And we did a great job of even when we stepped on the field and they announced that the rain delay was over, uh, just keeping the energy up. And I felt like we just pretty much wanted it way more than they did. So you mentioned the rain delay. What is it, what did you guys do to stay fresh? What do you what do you, what do you do to occupy your time during that rain delay? Uh, everybody was doing different things. Uh, I personally was just you know not walking around too much, but kind of keeping my legs warm. You know, walking around a little bit. Uh, I actually was sitting down watching Netflix for a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now nah, we all did different things, but I felt that uh, it obviously worked out pretty well for us. Did you have you just kind of sit here, just kind of waiting for the word to go out? You guys obviously have no idea when when you might be playing. <laughs> yeah, um, we're at the end of the day, like we're all high school kids, so we don't really care much <laughs> for weather delay. But obviously, there's safety reasons that prevent us from going out there and playing. So we were just all anxious to get out there and play. And when they said that we would be able to, uh, it was just really, really fun for us, and we went on had a great time. Well, just to let you know, us media folks are old men, and we don't care too much. We don't care too much for them either so um, obviously a big win for you guys talk a little bit about your guys uh, secondary you guys lost some some really really good players from last year obviously you're coming back but talk about some of the players around you this year and how you feel the chemistry in the in the backfield there is looking for you guys oh it's, it's constantly improving um, last year I was the youngest player on the team personally and uh, one of our corners Verone McKinley really uh, stepped into that big brother role for me and kind of taught me the ways of the game uh, he's not an organ uh, doing his thing but uh, I've definitely been trying to step into that role of being a leader in the secondary. Uh, we have some great guys, uh, Diego Johnson, Ryan Allison, our two corners, and then my other safety being Cody uh, Burris. And uh, I felt that really we start to, started to gel together. Uh, it really started in the spring when they all came from baseball. All three of them mm -hmm. played baseball. So uh, when they all came, we definitely started to build that chemistry, and it's really starting to show here early on in the season. So you got four two-sport guys in the secondary that yeah. with you uh, also playing basketball, and yes, then, of sir. course, Traven. Just talk a little bit about that, that you're kind of balancing your time between the two sports. Um, well, I moved around a lot, and for a minute I was just playing basketball. But when I had moved back to Texas in ninth grade, I only played basketball. But that spring, I went out for spring football. And obviously, what happened last year happened. So yeah. uh, it's definitely something that can be applied or applicable to football. Mm -hmm. And football can not necessarily really as much as basketball, but can still be applied to basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, um, guarding somebody in basketball, uh, a lot of it is just uh, eye discipline, you know, looking at the right things. You know, if you look at the ball, playing basketball against a good player, you're going to get uh, across, you're going to get messed up. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're looking at somebody's head in football, trying to press somebody, you're going to get messed up. So it's really a lot about just, you know, technique, and uh, it definitely transfers over. Cool. Um, guys had a good year last year, obviously faced Allen in the first round of the playoffs, and then you have, you know, your quarterback and one of your team leaders. What's 
just uh, the kind of the atmosphere been around the team with the uh, new leadership stepping up following the loss of Clayton and some of the other, other seniors that you guys had last year? Uh, well, Clayton was obviously a big loss. Um, Verone being another one. We had a great defensive line, very talented defensive line. Both of them were playing college football. And uh, Paul Akiri and Carlos Hatcher. So... Other than that, we had a whole bunch of talent beside them. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing with, uh, with us was a lot of people, I felt that when we lost a lot of that talent, a lot of people kind of underestimated us, and we just used it as motivation coming into the season. Um, in terms of senior leadership, not necessarily seniors have to lead everybody. So uh, a few of our ca- captains are actually juniors too. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is, you know, uh, one of our, our quarterback now, Carson Harris, is really stepping into that, that role. Uh, he's really fulfilled it well in, his, in the game that he played. Uh, obviously, it worked out well for us. So, just as long as we can continue to gel together as a team, I think we'll be great. Obviously, uh, tough opponent. We mentioned Martin. They were a ranked team. Were you? Uh, Coach Brazels mentioned that maybe you guys made a little <laughs> bit of a statement. Were you a little bit, maybe even surprised? Not so much that you won, but the uh, margin and how comfortable you guys were able to win by. Uh, well, we always approach every game confident that we're going to win. And uh, I definitely felt that as the game went on and we started to build a lead, I could say, oh, well, we can run away with this one. And uh, the biggest thing with us was in the past, uh, I can name a few, not off the top of my head, but we would get a lead and then they would come back. And that was one thing that I really was frustrated with last year. But uh, this year we did a great job of re- you know keeping our – uh, our foot on the throats, you know, and uh, just continuing to attack offensively and defensively, and uh, we really just gave it to them. So you guys have one more non-district game. We were kind of talking earlier about Fossil Ridge and some talented receivers they have over there that you're familiar with. Yes, As a team, what is the focus here this week, and what's kind of the, the mentality and the, the mindset of the team going into the last game, getting ready for district? Uh, well, the first two teams we played were Plano and Arlington Martin, as you stated. Uh, those two teams were primarily running teams, and the one thing that's new with Fossil, Fossil Ridge is they are definitely a team that prefers to air it out. So the biggest thing for us, especially as a secondary is to just get back into that coverage mode, you know, trying to, I guess you can say, just get more comfortable uh, since we've been playing box and a lot of runs recently. Uh, me, personally, this is a big game for me because I am a bigger safety and I can cover too. And this will be a great game for me to go out and show that I can. So we're all looking forward to it and uh, hopefully we can come out with a win. Well, Darius, thanks for joining us, and uh, you can see Darius and the Hawks taking on Fossil Ridge on the road 7 o'clock Friday to wrap up non-district. So, Darius, once again, thanks for joining us for the uh, Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. How's it going, and welcome back to the second half of today's Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We've gone with the uh, the full-scale line change here. Uh, head coach Matt Welch has subbed all three of us in uh, to talk a little bit about uh, what we saw over the weekend in Texas high school football action. Uh, it sounds like the general consensus for us is we want to talk about some teams that have overperformed, maybe underperformed, and, and just some early season trends uh, here in non-district action. So I guess to, uh, to kick that off, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, JT. I know you have a team that's um, that was expected to be good, but has, has hit the ground running maybe a little yeah. faster than, than even they expected. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to use the terms overperform and underperform. So many of these teams, you know, you don't really know what they have right. coming well, back. Right, it's still so early, too. Kind of going off reputation, so um, 
but yeah, Hebron has looked very good so far. You know, they edged out Plano West or Plano Senior to open the season, a game that Matt covered, and then kind of really turned some heads on Friday by going out there and just pretty much whooping up Arlington Martin. Yeah, that was. I think I was X and one in my picks this week, and that was the game I got wrong. Just because I, I mean, Hebron looks good, but I did not expect that final score and that that final line for Didn't sure. Didn't we all pick Arlington Martin to win that game, um, except for Kendrick? Yeah, it was, it was almost sure, a clean sweep, yeah. yeah. But like I said, it's really hard to say overperforming or underperforming. I mean, do we really know like what no, Martin I don't, is? I don't they think for sure. They were a regionally no. ranked team and had a good team last year, but, you know, it's so hard to just yeah. judge these teams early, especially with, like, look at a team like Hebron. They lost their opener to Plano last year and yeah. still had a great season. So it's tough to base things just on a few right. games. But they have looked very good. Um, Carson Harris got his first start yesterday, or yesterday, uh, Friday. It was uh, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah. All that rain from the whole weekend just makes it seem like one long day to me. But um, yeah, he looked pretty good in his debut. Trajan Bridges made did Trajan play, Bridges did things. Trajan Bridges <laughs> stuff, making plays all over the field. Well, Jalen the best Watt. receiver in, in the area, him or Theo East, Would you say yeah, that's what I would say? Yeah. But uh, I mean, a lot of people like the Colleyville kid, Cam Brown. But, a lot of uh, people uh, like uh, East. Uh, Jalen Anderson yeah. too. There's a lot of talent, I would say. I mean, it, yeah. it just all comes down to but who's getting Bridges the ball. Bridges is definitely a get the ball in his hand and let him go, and mm-hmm. they're giving him the ball in the Wildcat some this year. Oh, okay. He's really making it pay. Uh, but I was almost more impressed with their defense. I expected, you know, a pretty prolific attack from Arlington Martin, and Hebron shut them down. Really, the only thing Hebron did poorly was special teams. They had uh, a punt blocked for a safety that got mm-hmm. Martin on the board, and then Martin got good field position off the free kick and scored the touchdown. Other than that. Um, man, they pretty much dominated them defensively. Martin didn't really do a whole lot, so very impressed with Hebron on both sides of the ball. Um, looking like it could be a showdown in 6-6-A between Hebron and a Coppell team that's 2-0, beating Saxe, and then basically shutting out LD Bell. They gave up a touchdown with like 15 seconds left, but it was right. 41 nothing before that, so they'll get a big test against Allen this week, obviously, but Looking like it could be, uh, looking at some of the other scores in 6-6-A, looking like this could be a two-team race between Coppell and Hebron. Right. Maybe that's the question, instead of overperformed or underperformed, is just, you know, how have these first two weeks, the teams that did get to play <laughs> in the uh, the rain-affected weekend, you know, how has this maybe changed their outlook or, or changed their expectations yeah. or kind of set them up maybe for, for different expectations yeah. than they like originally said, had? Like, I mean, that's a nice win over Arlington Martin, but if, is anybody really that surprised? Right. Like, yeah. We came back to Maybe the, the way. Oh my gosh! Yeah. The way they won. Yeah, I think yeah. The only surprising yeah. thing is I looked at that final score because I mean that was a coin flip game for me in picking it last week, and I yeah. took Martin um, just kind of based on how you know the strengths of the yeah. team and, and what little I knew about them. But and it, it didn't surprise me that Hebron won. But then you look yeah. at the final score and you're like, yeesh! Like yeah. how does you know that that I think was definitely the the takeaway for yeah. me. That I guess maybe impressive is the word more than over. Yeah, because I don't yeah. think yeah, I'm really too surprised right. that Hebron and Coppeller. Two and zero, but right. they both have been impressive. Speaking of of not being surprised, the Plano East offense. You know, I've seen them play uh, twice at this point, and and that offense is is every bit uh, the machine that pe- that people expected it would be. I think coming into this season, um, four hundred and twenty nine yards against LD Bell, which we've kind of found out, and and I knew that heading into Week One that LD Bell isn't you know going to light the world on fire, and they're not a, a great team. Um, this year, and same could be said for Lake Highlands. Uh, Plano East went out uh, at the Cotton Bowl against Lake Highlands. You're about uh, to get some hate mail from LD <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, and took them down 36 nothing in a rain. That was a weird game. The rain really messed with that one out at the uh, out at the Cotton Bowl. It started late, um, and then with I think like seven minutes left in the third quarter, there was a huge delay. Mm-hmm. They came back, uh, played into the fourth quarter. 
Um, and I believe there was like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. They went off the field again and ended up just sacking it up and saying, this is fine. We're, <laughs> we're done doing this. It's 36 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Let's not get anybody hurt, I guess, was mm-hmm. the, the thought process. But Plano East had 404 yards in that game and could have easily, I think, had, you know, <laughs> another 100 or so because they, um, unlike, you know, kind of week one, they had two passing touchdowns and three uh, touchdowns on the ground with Trey Jones-Scott, which – by the way, for, for people that read my stories and, and have seen his name is Scott Jones, I did check with head coach Joey McCullough, and I think it's he's flipped it to Jones Scott this year. So that's not me just like being <laughs> dyslexic. I, I did <laughs> check with, with him and with Plano East. But he had 158 yards on the ground, looked really good, scored three times. As I mentioned, Brandon Mallory looked like Brandon Mallory, 14 for 24 Saturday for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and I think just overall, the East hasn't really been tested yet, I think, in the way that they need to be. They will be this week. Certainly, uh, taking on Saxy. Lake Highlands was a playoff team last year. Yeah, I think that I think that Lake Highlands maybe I expect them to be a little bit more competitive than they that were. That was in a in a weaker district though. That was in the Coppell and then yeah. RISD. I mean, they the might Berkner be a playoff team there. this season just with the the district they play in. I just don't yeah. think that my expectation heading into this game. I think I predicted in my preview East by twenty one or so. So I mean, I, I I kind of expected the the result, but it was the way that East went about it, and and they've looked very mature on offense and very poised and it's looked mm-hmm. easy frankly that you know their, their passing game has looked very easy but I think the thing they're impressed with is is their defense has looked really good um, held LD Bell to 14 obviously shut out Lake Highlands um, again not the most prolific offenses in the in the area um, but just really uh, you know gets me ready and, and hopefully <laughs> the two teams ready for this matchup this weekend between Saxe and Plano East because I think that'll be that's a really good 0-2 Saxe team um, I think that's another argument for you know they're not underperforming. They've just played two really two really tough non-district games and, and happen to come out on the losing end of both. But that's a really good Saxy team. Um, their only question maybe is a little bit of quarterback. Beltron had had two picks, um, but that'll be a, a good matchup this weekend and, and one I think that'll tell us a lot about both Saxy and Plano East. So my alma mater needs a win. <laughs> like you said, that one two record doesn't you know show how good they really are. They were right in both of those. Games. Yeah, they were right but, there against Trinity. The but final they need drive. a win. They need a win over Plano East to, yeah. to avoid going on three. But we were talking about good receivers. We, we missed one in, in the colony, Keith, Keith Miller, who had. The play of the week. Yep, <laughs> it even yep. got national recognition yep. on uh, SportsCenter's top ten. It was number four yep. on SportsCenter's top ten. It made a one-handed grab in the back of the end zone mm-hmm. over uh, a defender from Reedy, and that was an awesome game. You know, yep. Reedy and the Colony. Uh, Colony kept it close. Uh, Reedy looks really good this year. A team that, you know, I can't say they've overperformed because we kind of expected this, but the way they've won their games, the way they beat Plano West and how they beat the Colony, even though it, the score was a little close, Reedy was still in control. They never really, yeah. they were, the, mm-hmm. it was never really in jeopardy, it felt like, right. even though the Colony was kind of hanging in there a little bit. And it wasn't a blowout by any means, but and that catch was yeah. was awesome. And that, I love how it's at the star. The game was inside right. the star, so you get the, the replay on the, on the big screen, right, yeah. so they played it again. And, Man, it was it was spectacular. That's yeah. why it's so hard to, to talk about who the best receiver in the area is because I think they're all good at different things. Like Jalen Anderson had that catch for Plano East in Week One on the two point conversion where he, I mean, Matt and I talked about it at length uh, last week during mm-hmm. the podcast. But you look at all these guys and they're all good at different things. And I think the argument for Bridges maybe is is his explosiveness and his ability to, like you said, go out of the wildcat or, or do other things. Like he's the kind of guy that. You just want to find a way to get him the football mm-hmm. and, and just say, go make things happen. Whereas, you know, a guy like Jalen Anderson is obviously impressively talented, but at the same time, 
Um, it's more his ability to go up and get the football mm. than necessarily, you know, we're just going to get you in space. So I think they all bring different things to the table. But definitely an impressive uh, class of receivers this year for sure. So so now are we off to underperform teams? Sure. Because I have a couple. Sure. I have a few. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds uh, ominous. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, Little Elm, they had a, they had a tough test in, in week one against Justin Northwest. They lose in double overtime. And I guess that carried over into week two, uh, you know, Friday night against Birdville. They lose another tough one. They kind of got blew up, blown out in this one. Uh, they lost to Birdville 33-14. So they start the year 0-2. After starting last year 3-0 for mm-hmm. the first time in over a decade, they're 0-2 now in jeopardy of starting 0-3 against it. They face Keller Central this Friday, another mm-hmm. tough opponent. And, you know, their, their quarterback, Juan Ponce, he, he comes in, you know, taking over for Logan Kohler, who's just sticking with baseball this year. Uh, and Ponce had his first, you know, not so good game. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He, had, you know, threw three picks, mm-hmm. completed just seven passes, 105 yards. I wasn't at the game, so I don't, you know, couldn't, couldn't tell what was going on. But just looking at the box score, it doesn't, doesn't look pretty. But I expect a little on the bounce back. I, I don't think this is indicative of their, you know, this season of this, of this roster. This is not a bad team at all. This might be the best team that Little Elm has rolled out since I've been covering the team for the past three seasons. So it's kind of weird that they're owned to, you know, after especially after going three and zero last year. So. Big. I know this this game Friday night against Keller Central doesn't you know matter for the playoffs, but right. starting on three, you got to get momentum yeah. somewhere. I feel like I feel like that's kind of the case for, for a lot of teams, especially with them facing Lone Star mm-hmm. next week. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough way to start the district, and you really don't want to start zero four. Right. That would be pretty bad. So a little bit of underperformance there for for the Lobos. Kind of surprising. Yeah, I think a team for me. I don't want to call it underperforming because, I mean, a team that went 0-10 last year, it's hard to say that, you know, they're underperforming this year. Mm-hmm. But I think Plano West had a lot of confidence going into the year um, and, and thought that they would be more competitive. Uh, and they were not, certainly, in week one. And that 32-point, that I believe, blowout loss to Reedy at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were a little bit more competitive last week. Uh, they, they, they traveled to Flower Mountain and took on the Jaguars in another rain-affected game. That game didn't start until 8.45, and I didn't get out of there, I don't think, till like 12.30. It was, it was a long one. It was a long game. Um, but West looked a little bit more competitive. There was a point where, I mean, the turnover battle was what eventually sunk uh, the Wolves, which is I think they lost it. I think they had six turnovers to Flower Mounds one, something like that. So yeah, you're not going to win a lot of football games when, when you're turning the ball over that many times. But if not for those turnovers, there would have been a point where West recovered an onside kick in the fourth, and they would have been down seven had they not turned the ball over for two consecutive drives at the start of the second half. So there was some there was some compete there for West, and they have Mesquite this week, which I think is a winnable football game. Um, one of those teams, one of those 0-2 teams, has to has to get a, a victory there. Um, so, you know, it's it's a it's not an underperformance, like you said, just because, you know, I don't know what the expectations were externally for West this year after going 0-10. Um, but, you know, this week three might be a chance for them to get in the win column and, and kind of validate some of the confidence they feel uh, and some of the, you know, the they feel like they're a better team than, mm-hmm. you know, going 0-10 and, and starting 0-2. So they get a win um, in week three. Maybe they surprise a couple of people in district, yeah. but, but it's definitely still an uphill climb for West, I guess. JT, one of your team. I, before I cut you off there, one of your teams got a big win at yeah, Frisco School last absolutely. week. Absolutely, that was kind of surprising. We're on the the downward trend right now, and Denton County's had a pretty good week. Um, mm-hmm. Not not too much went around for the schools I cover, and yeah, Creekview gets his first win of the year, winning in overtime. Right, I yeah. think I saw in overtime. So yeah, really tough opener for Creekview, but bouncing back and getting the big win over uh, a Liberty um, Frisco Liberty on uh, Friday. So win for them. Earl Turner got 
started their game, but it got canceled. Newman Smith, they didn't get the win, but they were playing a 6A program, Nimitz, so can't really felt them for that. And then the LASD schools, other than the Colony, losing the tough one to Reedy, they posted 4-0 yeah. records, so pretty good showing from my teams last week. And District 6-6A, pretty good showing in general. They went 7-1 and last week. They only have wow. one team without a win, and that's Irving, so everybody's either 1-1 one one or 2-0 and in that district, including MacArthur and Nimitz, kind of both 2-0, and maybe a little surprise there. Yep. Um, so every team you cover is state-bound, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <They're legit>. You're <laughs> going to cover a state champion, is what you're saying. No, but just good good bounce-backs for the teams that lost in their openers. Five round, Marcus Lewisville mm-hmm. all got wins. Coppell Hebron go to 2-0. Creekview gets its first win. and So pretty good week for the Denton County programs that we cover. All right, guys. You guys have anything else you want to add from uh, Week 2 Impressions, Texas High School Football? That's about it. I think we touched yeah. it all. I think that's pretty much Come a wrap. Back here next Monday with completely different thoughts. On <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully the uh, hopefully the rain isn't uh, such a factor in week three. Here we got some premier matchups, including uh, Frisco Reedy Lake Dallas playing with Saxy and more. Um, those games, I believe, are, yeah, they should be up. Uh, Lone Star Highland Park too. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of area matchups, lots of big games. Uh, some districts, some non-districts. So we'll see how those shake out. I believe our Game of the Week poll will go up soon, so you guys can vote on that. And we will be back Thursday to discuss the eventual winner of that Game of the Week poll as well as some of the other big matchups that we just mentioned. So uh, we will talk to you guys then. Until then, have a good start to your week. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.